It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right. So basically, Jill over at UMKC and Kate Hodel. Uh, asked me to write a series of articles on early stage funding uh, from a national Kansas City perspective, you know, both perspectives and a series of three or four of these. Again, they're in proof of concept stage, which I know is before you get to them. However, I'd like to explore your perspective as someone who comes after, you know, they've had some initial angel capital friends and family or so forth and talk about, uh, you know, your perspective on that, where the gaps are, because you're looking for these companies that have already received it. And so you want these companies to have had it. And so if you can give tips on how to best prepare for that and so forth from your perspective, that's something that we haven't captured yet for an article. Are you okay with that? This is awesome. And do I have opinions about this? <laughs> okay. Well, I've got about seven or eight questions here and I'll just uh, kind of lead you through them, but we you know we're not in any kind of necessary order. And, you know, by the time I get to my fifth question, I might say, Oh, you've answered this one already and something else I asked you. So, so I'll just yeah. kind of lead you through them and, and you can just go. Um, So first, let's tackle that. Now that you know who the, oh, by the way, this is an audience of the article is intended to be beneficial to the entrepreneurs themselves and also to potential investors in these entrepreneurs. These proof of concept, early stage, um, you know, they may not have, they obviously don't have customers yet. Okay, so if you kind of set up for me. Wait, wait, wait. The national landscape. They don't have customers, so they don't have. Well, they might have some, but there's still, a lot of them are still in proof of concept. In that case, they probably. Um, if they have yeah. customers, they're um, very trusting customers. <laughs> Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So if you could kind of set up for me national versus Kansas City landscape when it comes to funding for this group. What's it look like right now? I, I'd say the communities that are most successful in building a great pipeline have figured out the proof of concept stage where it's an environment that is, uh, you know, they've tilled the soil and now they're, you know, they're really growing some, uh, a broad range of, of people with ideas. Kansas City is, um, has so many great resources, SourceLink uh, being one, Enterprise Center Johnson County being another, that are helping to build those. Um, but in, this, in the places where they're working the best, it's actually a public-private partnership where they could get some either incentives or funding from a, a city, a county, a state. Um, there are some incentives on the Kansas side. Um, Missouri's have really been decimated recently um, with Missouri Technology Corporation. So um, I'd say that, that we are trying our best without a lot of um, public-private resources. Um, and I think it's going to take that to really take us to the next level of, of really being able to 
build enough of these companies that they were at proof of concept stage where they will get to the place where they'll get some traction and, and move on. So I can't say how important this part of building the pipeline so that they'll eventually we have something coming out the other end where I might sure. invest in it. Um, that's really important. And right now our pipeline is, is, uh, could be a way more robust. It's adequate. Okay. Well, as you, yeah. Putting us as you mentioned, even setting up this yeah. interview, you're still trying to pull some in right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fact, I just learned from the state of Kansas that, um, they were trying to pull in some CARES Act money to do, to help like Fountain Innovation Fund, to help the Casey Rising, and to really help the continuum of capital to grow more, more companies in the state of Kansas mm-hmm. and to have the funding and the resources around them to make that happen. And, you know, I think politics got in the way a little bit and it did not get funded. It wasn't a lot of money but it was at least an acknowledgement that there are people in the state of Kansas and they also have to angel tax credits, which help a lot, but there are, there are folks at the state level who are, who get it and are trying to figure it out. I think it's very difficult for legislators who don't live in our world to understand yes. how this is the engine of their economic prosperity. And you have to make some investment in that they they see it a little bit more like you're picking and choosing winners and losers and that's not at all what it is you're funding those who are in the business of helping to you know grow the winners so anyway Mm -hmm. yeah so what role do you see universities playing in this you talk about public-private partnerships and you know obviously that involves some of the government agencies at the various levels that you mentioned but uh, how about universities Universities are um, trusted partners to both uh, business and government. So you'd think they could be a great catalyst, and they are, because I see Maria, she is a bodacious fundraiser. She knows you know, where all the dollars are. She knows how to write grants. Um, universities are, are, have a, are filled with people who are good at writing grants. Um, there's a lot of money out there in the country to to do some of these things. Um, so universities are a very natural place to find money um, to be helpful, but most of that money is not actually investing directly in that company. It's helping them with all kinds of resources, right? So um, it's that's a part of it, but the other part of it is if use that ability to persuade to get some help in this area. Again, I think Maria was really good when Digital Sandbox, she, she pretty much funded Digital Sandbox with her own, you know, grit going out and just talking to people and, and getting things done. She and Jeff Shackelford both. So mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, universities have a place in the um, pulling in the, the, the federal and other dollars um, to a, a community mm-hmm. and then using those dollars to help these entrepreneurs. But generally it's not the, it, it, it's, you know, one step short of actually writing the checks that they yeah. need over time. Yeah. They're, they're going to write the check to fund the program like a digital sandbox or something. Yeah. Is, at, at is the, that okay. the concept. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure yeah. I was understanding thing, that correctly. But, Mm-hmm. The other things that universities can do 
is have more curriculum around design thinking. How are you teaching um, folks to actually think about uh, ideas and how to put that together? So this is not building a business. That's, that's very specific. Kauffman Foundation says something like three out of a thousand are entrepreneurs. This is not trying to build more entrepreneurs necessarily, but it's around the idea of how do you work in teams to come up with solutions and, and, and execute on those solutions. Um, uh, and I think that's a, a role that universities can play too is just more uh, focus on design thinking as a broad topic um, and then entrepreneurship as a maybe more narrow topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, uh, I know we had the conversation uh, with the Country Club Bank interview, but then we've had conversations in the past as well. You're not originally from here, yet here you are in Kansas City. It's wrapped all the time for the funding issues, especially when it comes to tech entrepreneurs, which we're talking about right now. But yet you choose to stay here. What are the advantages then of, in spite of some of these gaps, what are some of the advantages of uh, starting tech entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial company focused on tech here in Kansas City and for investors who might want to fund them? I mean, what, what are the advantages of being here in Kansas City when it comes to this? One of the advantages is we are, we're big enough to have resources um, to help entrepreneurs, but we're small enough to be a pretty tight-knit community and we're um, open-mindedness enough, kind and helpful and where you don't have a lot of silos or people who will say, no, I won't do this or no, I won't, I won't do that. So I think what I've seen, I saw this in, in Michigan where Detroit asked me to come up there and help them think about how to build a Detroit Rise Fund. And they trotted out for a day and a half all these resources. And I said to the, the chief innovation officer of Detroit, like, you have way more resources than we do in Kansas City. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. You guys could do this more easily and she said the problem was is everybody had their silos certain mm. ones get money from the state some and so gets they only get money from Ann Arbor others only get money from Detroit or they are all in and she said my problem was is I didn't know where to put it because I'm just going to tick off somebody else if I said oh mm -hmm. look, you guys build a Detroit rise versus those guys so we don't want to be that we're early enough that we're not that and the network of angels is growing, growing, growing. So some of the events that um, that Enterprise Center of Johnson County puts on or that Casey SourceLink puts on or that Startland puts on, all of those are designed. Um, Casey invested dinners um, that we, uh, you know, Adam Meridondo and I kind of started. Now um, uh, SourceLink owns the Casey invested dinners where you're uh -huh. bringing together investors and entrepreneurs to know one another. I think the, the, just the, it's the positive of Kansas City Nice, in my view, as, as opposed to the pejorative, um, where, yeah, maybe their people won't tell you the truth, but their people, they always want to help. So I uh -huh. think that's part of our secret sauce is we're growing more people who want to be helpful to entrepreneurs. We're connecting the dots. They're connecting with each other. And they're, um, and I think that's just a, you know, and early, if you're someone who likes to leadership, you can raise your hand. I've always said this about Kansas City, which is I'm living proof. 
you don't have to be from here, unlike St. Louis, where I'm from. I didn't grow up in quite the right town or neighborhood or schools mm-hmm. or country clubs or whatever in St. Louis to to have leaders. That's you know my impression. In Kansas City, anyone can raise their hand, including somebody like me who's not from this area, and uh-huh, say, uh-huh. "I can do that. I can do that." So um, I think that's a that's a wonderful ingredient of Kansas City is open mindedness to somebody with a new idea who and others can rally around them and be helpful. I think sometimes we underestimate in our community that special characteristic and the power of, of that, um, how it builds a network pretty, pretty easily. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I totally get that about St. Louis. We went to, my husband and I went to college with a lot of folks from St. Louis and everything centered around not, not, it was where he went to high school, and even today, oh yeah, when you go, when yeah. we see these people, that's still they live within you know three blocks of the house they grew up in, and it's still all about the high school. It's like you're crazy. And it's so what's so funny is St. Louisans they say, where did you go to school? In most other communities, they you would think that would mean college. Yes, but they they don't even use the word high school. They just say, "Where'd you go to school?" And that's code speak for I want to know your socioeconomic. Uh-huh. I, I got to put you in some ID in my mind. Right, <laughs> it's so funny. No, I, I no, say, we've experienced when I meet somebody it. from St. Louis here. Yeah, I say it too. Like, hey, where'd you go to yeah. school? <laughs> yeah, no, Mike Mike's cousin uh, married a guy from St. Louis. They live down the street from his mom. And she she's just become so different since she moved there, you know, 25 years ago, um, got all wrapped up in that whole mindset. Anyway, yeah. I'll move along yeah. here. So so the uh, local these local companies, these local Kansas City companies, should they just be looking local for investment? These early stage proof of concept tech companies or should they be looking out nationally? Is there enough here for them to. Or, or if they look nationally, will they be able to stay here or will they need to move out of the area? It's um, and a question I haven't thought of before, actually. So that's a, that's a good one. And I'd say, first off, um, when your proof of concept uh, rep, uh, relationship matters. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it's, it's always going to be hard to raise money elsewhere yeah. when your proof of concept but it's a really important you develop a network outside of this region. So I would, uh, I guess I would challenge anyone with a proof of concept is figure out who cares about this idea, who has the biggest pain point that you are solving, and whether they're here or somewhere else, be in touch with them. Start developing a relationship with them. So if it's in something in the in the power grid system, you could go to Evergy or you could go to whatever other, you know, finding where there are, uh, and, and in town, by the way, there are other power, you know, the trade winds guys, the, uh, you know, there's, there's just, a, so developing uh-huh. who cares about your topic, not where is the easiest place to get money. It actually probably is the easiest place to get money, but um, that's that's what I would say, and that to me is agnostic um, in location, but harder to to develop that relationship if you're not someplace where you're 
you know, of course, right now you can't go mm-hmm. have coffee with anybody. But right, right, right. That proximity, I think, <clears throat> I think helps. But over time, you're going to need to know more and more people who care about what you do. Um, so developing them as opposed to any old angel with a checkbook will be mm-hmm. worth the extra effort. Okay. What are the areas that are being invested in right now? What's being funded? Um, <clears throat> I think for Kansas City, yeah, it's it's broad. The good news is, unlike a Houston or a Nashville where they're very focused, that's a that could be a positive because then I'm mm-hmm. right. Uh, innovators in the energy space are are naturally going to go to Houston. Um, innovators in the healthcare space are naturally, maybe even music space, are naturally going to go to to Nashville. That's the that's their positive and their strength. It's also their Achilles heel because if you're in Nashville and you want to develop a logistics company or something, you may or may not have the same network of folks who care about that. So mm-hmm. for Kansas City, the diversity of the industries where innovation is happening will over time be helpful to us because then we're not completely dependent. Think about Houston today is just decimated. We're not completely dependent on one industry. But I would say the things that I see more of are industries which make sense in Kansas City, logistics being a really big one. Like mm-hmm. we're we're the we're NAFTA. We're the center, you know, why you should be logistics makes so much sense. Um, we have folks who, you know, a lot of uh, wireless capabilities coming out of Sprint, people who are smart people who didn't grow up here, who Sprint hired in, whose families wanted to stay. So I see wireless, um, uh, machine learning, healthcare. I mean, all of, those are all things that um, aim to have enough audience here to, um, to find funding early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way so what are some, yeah, what are some of the mistakes that you see early stage companies make when it comes to trying to obtain funding? And I mean, you can get really nitty gritty here. I'll give you an example of what I used to see with startup companies when I was at Thinking Bigger, and I would always just cringe. And uh, that would be because they were scraping friends, family as their angels they would give, I, I need a website built. So I go down, you know, and get my cousin who builds websites in a spare time. And I give him 10% of the company for doing that for me. And now yeah. when you go to a <laughs> real, you go to a real investor and yep. you've only got 90% left to work with. Yep. And that real investor's like, what the hell is that cousin doing in the yep. middle of this? <laughs> you know? Yep. So I mean, exactly. you can be as great or as that. Yes. You are so right. Well, I have deep opinions about what they do wrong. Um, and I say wrong. They just don't know. They don't know any better. Mm-hmm. So they need to, They need somebody to help them know better. Um, the first thing I would say is if you have aspirations to be a big company, and it's okay if you don't have, have aspirations to be a really big company, you're building something where your family can make a nice living and you walk away with a little bit of money. God love you. That's that's more more companies are like that anyway. But if you're really trying to build something big where eventually you're going to need five million, ten million, thirty million dollars of funding, mm-hmm. you must be born 
like a company that those people would want to see, just as you just said. So what does that look like? Number one, it is you need a board the minute you're born. You've got mm -hmm. to have a board. And that board should be made up of more people who are not working in the business than people who are in the business. So if you have three board members, two of them should be advisor outside people and one should be the CEO. Or if you have five, something like that. So building a board so that you are surrounding yourself with a, a network. Think about what all those board members bring. They bring a network, expertise, checkbook, and a little bit of ass kicking. You may, maybe don't say ass kicking, but you know, you know where yeah, they're going to I'll, I'll figure out a word. Right? <laughs> hold your feet yeah. to the fire on execution. You said you're going to do this, right? Um, mm -hmm. What happens more often than not is not only is there not a board, but the angels that are in there, even experienced angels who are well-meaning, number one, do not um, put as strong a deadline to goals as they should. So um, the entrepreneur, this is what happens. You see it a lot. They go back to their angels and go, Oh, I, I knew I thought I only needed 50000 or $100,000, but this problem happened, and that problem happened, that problem happened, and now I need another fifty or $100,000. Mm -hmm. like, that's going to happen. So, number one, don't give away the ship with your first fifty or 100 because be sure that the people who give you the first fifty or 100 understand that the investment that they make in you now is maybe 50% of what they're going to, what you expect okay. them to make to invest in you. So if they mm -hmm. invest 50,000 now, if you as an entrepreneur don't go back to that, and or don't when they give you the first 50, say now I know this is only going to let, let's say it is it's going to last me 12 months. What you give me and all these others, I've cobbled together $200,000, and I expect this to last me 12 months. And then after that 12 months, here's my vision. I expect that we're going to need three more people to do this and one more person to do this or whatever. So the next time I think I'm going to roughly need 500,000 and I hope that I can count on you to mm -hmm. double up and add me another, five, another 50 and I'll go out and raise some more, something like that. They don't have that conversation of the expectation of the angel investor and angels get bored and tired real fast um, and don't have the discipline to hold money back to, to double up their investment over time. So it's, it's a fault on both sides. The entrepreneur needs to understand how to educate the angel, what, you, what they need, and the angel needs to be prepared to continue to support that company over a period of time. Now, that's, that's great other, advice. Go ahead. The other thing that I find that they do is the structure of the company. Angel's interest is to have a sub S or an LLC or something, and the entrepreneur says, yeah, me too, and the lawyer says, oh, just be really simple and just go get the simplest documents you can. The problem with that is, again, if you want to build a big company, you're going to have to turn to a C Corp <clears throat> sooner rather than later. So. I get it that the angels aren't going to get their pass-through tax deductions or whatever, but the sooner you're born as a C-Corp, 
the more professional the institutional investors will see that you are. So mm -hmm. it, and there's no excuse. Lawyers have been guilty of this too, <laughs> of saying, mm -hmm. oh, just take these easy documents um, and not having price rounds. The sooner you price around, the more people know what they're getting for their money. If you have unpriced mm -hmm. rounds, you don't really know what percentage of the company you own. Professional investors don't they want to they need to know exactly what percentage of the companies they own so these convertible notes without cat i mean there's just structurally we need the attorneys to help guide the entrepreneurs and we don't have enough attorneys in kansas city who really are experienced with this to be able to guide them mm -hmm. and some Talk of the attorneys really are saying you know just do the easy easy documents and over time i can yeah. agree with that yeah. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about uh, communication with your investors, particularly when things aren't going the way you thought they were and you aren't being able or, you know, you start becoming aware that you're not going to be able to live up to what you sold the investors. Yep. How do you handle those situations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's probably 80% of the time. Right? Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah. Just own it. Um, Kelly, you've, you've been around this so much, you know the right questions to ask. So first, I would say, commend you. In no, there's so few people in town that know the right questions to ask like that. They don't know that that's what's going to happen. They're all excited mm -hmm. about this idea and this young entrepreneur, and they want to support them, and they're a business guy, and they're smart, and they've been successful, and they think they can translate all of that to this. And and what you've just asked is exactly what happens is yeah. things go haywire. Um, the angels maybe haven't helped enough, but pro primarily probably because you haven't communicated with them enough to know what you need. Um, mm -hmm. I think Techstars has a very disciplined and smart way of um, building, the, encouraging the companies to build, and that is a monthly newsletter, one-page summary, that shows how much cash you have on hand, how long it's going to last you based on your current burn, um, two or three things that are happening that are really great, and two or three things that are happening that you need some help on. That could be a little bit of a heads up, this thing looks like it's going sideways, I need some help, or um, it's already gone sideways and uh, I, you know, I need some input. Um, those mm -hmm. two or three things that are how the investors can help. I literally, we encourage our portfolio companies because every time we meet with them, this is what we ask. How can your investors help? So just put yeah. it in writing as your bottom. Those are your asks. It could be talent. It could be um, connections to possible customers or resource partners or money. You know, all, all four of those things. It could be any of those. But communicating um, monthly helps to see the continuum and what that communication looks like as well is a continuum. It's not just the snapshot of that month. It's it put into some context. Is yeah. that number that you're showing me for the month a good thing or a bad thing? Are you on an an increasing growth rate or a decreasing growth rate? Are you, you know, just help the investors to tell the story in a very brief way every month that will help them um, help the investors stay engaged, help you when you need help, 
and be warmed up for that next amount of money that you're inevitably going to need from them. Sure. Yeah. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. So I really don't have any more questions. Uh, if there's other things that I haven't asked you that you think are important for me to know about, feel free to offer those now if you've got a minute or otherwise yeah. as I read yeah. the article, yeah. I'll email you no, with I questions. I have one that I think is really important okay. in this in this town, and not everybody shares my view, but this is my view. Okay. Um, the entrepreneurs get very um, used to calling up their angels and saying, "Gosh, this kind of went haywire. This one, you know, I need a little more money." And the angels are very kind, and often they'll give them the money. What happens then is, let's say they give them the money at, uh, or what happens is. Let's say they have traction. They get more money, and guess what the angels do? They increase the valuation just because there was more revenue. They go, oh, mm -hmm. well, hey, we invest in this company uh, at uh, you know, $2 million level. The whole thing was going to be worth $2 million, and the revenue is doubled, so now it's worth $4 million. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Where angels are really great is that early, early – really helping deep, deeply engaged and providing those early checks that are very risky where angels are not so good and where they think they're good is continuing to lead rounds when institutional folks should be leading rounds sooner than many entrepreneurs bring them in and therefore, mm. what happens, and I have seen this at some big companies with some very big angels with big pocketbooks that kept funding, 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 millions of dollars, and then the institution gets in, and the institution asks them really hard questions. What's your client acquisition costs? Why are your margins declining? Why aren't your margins the same as uh, or better than the industry? Um, what is your, uh, what's your churn? Why are you losing clients on the backside? These are things that Angels, generally, even smart business people, don't know to ask or don't ask. And as a result, I have seen this all over Kansas City, Kelly. It's a flat or a down round by the time the institutional money gets there. Mm -hmm, and suddenly mm -hmm. now everybody thinks the institutions are the bad guys because they, quote, tried to take advantage and they're underpricing it and all that. And the real answer is, is because the angels overpriced the company based on what they thought, their positive feeling about the traction, and it wasn't market priced. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the, the more we get companies that have institutional money in early, in syndicate with the angels. I love the angels. This is not an us versus them. I'm an angel too. This is, this is, I'm a member of Mid-America Angels, a member of Women's Capital Connection. You know, I, I came at this originally as an angel. Angels make great syndicate partners. Angels make terrible leads for deals, and every entrepreneur should seek relationships very early on in their business when they have, let's call it $50,000 or more of monthly revenue, which is long after proof of concept, but it's earlier than most yeah. entrepreneurs might think. So you have $50,000 of monthly revenue. You should be talking to the, the seed stage venture capital firms, and there are a bunch of them in the Midwest. We, Casey Rice Fund has now gone down to seed level as well, not just A level. Um, talk to seed level um, 
uh, venture capital firms, and they will help build that syndicate. They'll make fundraising easier for you because they know people too. And then bring your, your angels who were there with you all along, alongside in uh, the professional money in, in the syndicate, and they will then be on board for a company that has a much higher probability of success than if it were just angel, 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 angel funded because I have seen them go sideways for years because, and one of the reasons is when they finally realize they need institutions, they've screwed it up so much. They've screwed up the cap table like you've just said. They've given mm-hmm. away too much of the company to people who are meaningless to the company. Um, you know, they've done all kinds of things that they just felt they needed to do at the time. They probably did. But, yeah. um, it, you know, it gets them into trouble in the long run. And it's it's a thing that has stopped more businesses from reaching their potential because they did not seek um, institutional opinions because the institutional opinions, too, will tell you. I have some portfolio companies who we went through a dozen VCs who told them, you're not doing this right. You need to, and they keep telling that, keep telling them that. And we have one we'd love to invest in, but he's got one investor, angel investor out on the West Coast who believes the Kool-Aid that it's worth gobs and gobs of money. Um, and the institutional investors are saying, here's what it's worth. And they're saying, ah, we'll go out and find more angels. That'll be mm-hmm. the death for this young entrepreneur because you've got these hot shots throwing money at a company that is not going to get and he needs $20 million, good luck. He's not going to yeah. get it because they've over, overpriced the company. So, um, and the pricing, but that's the other thing too, is I think that angels overprice companies um, as opposed to venture firms trying to get a deal. I see mm-hmm. the venture firms are just, they know the market better than angels know the market. And so if you're a really great entrepreneur, you should want to know what that market is. You should want to know mm-hmm. what are they doing in other cities where I'm going to beat their rear ends because I'm doing it well, um, not just the easy money in, in your own hometown. So yeah. I love angels. They're great syndicate partners. They, they, are not, they don't do this for a living, and therefore um, sometimes they, they un, un, unintentionally lead a company down a path that's, that's not as helpful sure. as it could be. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. I'm, I'm glad to hear that kind of tough talk, frankly. And I, I am surprised, I'm not surprised to hear it today because I heard you say it during the Country Club Bank interview, but the, the $50,000 a month to come at that point, because you're not even, if you annualize that, that's not even a million dollars. And a lot of people would think, really, you can already start yeah. getting in, um, institutional investors when you're not even at a million? But yeah, I guess you can. So, um, For sure, yes. Sure. Yeah. So I am going to be talking with Kelly Sievers tomorrow and, or Kelly Perneau, I guess now. Um, yes. Kelly is now I'm no, not confused Sievers. myself. She's, yeah, she's Sievers now. <laughs> she's back to Sievers. OK, um, yeah, yeah. Kelly's, yeah, <laughs> Kelly Sievers tomorrow. And then I'm speaking to Toby Rush later in the week. Um, I've got sure. some other folks here that I may or may not be able to get in touch with. But do you have anybody that you think I should be talking to? Maybe one or two more people. Off the top of your um, head, Adam. Yeah, Adam. Adam Blake, B L A A K E. Adam Blake. He is a really deep thinker. On, uh, he's built two companies successfully. Uh, he 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 knows term sheets. He knows strategy. He knows angels. He knows institutional money. 
He's very sophisticated um, and he's below the radar. He's a, I don't know whether he would do it, but I would, I would encourage him to talk to you because he's a, okay. he's also a truth. He's a truth teller. He won't sugarcoat it. Um, That's what we want. And yeah. Toby is a good one too, because Toby is the first guy I heard as an entrepreneur say, I wanted a board. Entrepreneurs need a board sooner than they think. I wanted them to kick my rear end. He's the first guy I ever heard say that, and I really appreciated that from him. So you can tell him I was channeling him when I said that. <laughs> okay. I, I sure will. Okay. Well, and I appreciate ask Adam Blake. You want me to ask yes. him? Yes. What's, what's his company right now? I mean, if I were to try to look he, him up and get a little background. So the last company he, he's right now without a company was Zego, Z-E-G-O. Okay. Sold it to um, Vista out in uh, California, moved out there for a little while, back with his family of four kids. Um, uh, he has a, they learned their son was autistic, uh, their oldest son, and so he decided to go ahead and sell the company while he could. He was a, the Techstars company. It was the second company he's had success in. Uh, he's a real okay. rising star, in my view, in this um, in, in this whole thing, and I like to elevate guys like that who who are also community people. He'll talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. He'll he's got a great network. He's uh, he's modeling the way, in my view, of an entrepreneur who gives back to the community um, uh, in his own in his own way. Yeah. No, I would I would love that connection. And in the meantime, I'll go and uh, Google him and do some research on him too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is great. Um, seems like there was one other real quick thing I was going to ask, but may, maybe not. Anyway, I know you've got to get moving here. So I, oh, I know what it was just real quick. It's not for you to answer. I didn't even get into, there's going to be a separate article on basically everything we talked about today that just focused around women and minority entrepreneurs. And I don't know mm. if you would be interested in talking with me about that later, or if that's just something you'd rather give someone else to talk about or yeah if you got <laughs> well, um, I don't have as much to say around that um, okay honestly I haven't seen as many in venture I'd like to see more but um, okay. I also don't want to be the bad guy I don't think women in Kansas City are building venture backable businesses and okay. uh, very much and so mm -hmm. I, I, while I want to be encouraging of that I don't want to be publicly um, yeah, I unkind. get it. And I yeah. don't mean no, it in I, a I way. I just, I'd like, I'd like to fix that. So whoever you find who thinks that I can help fix it, that would be great. I'm okay. working very hard trying to find more women and helping them learn how to be born well and all that. But I, I got to say, I, there's just not that many. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's something we can talk about sometime over a glass of wine. So, cause I've got, I, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I've been a lifelong advocate for women business owners, but sometimes Many times, women are their own worst enemies. So, including myself, I learned a lot with yeah. my business too. So, <laughs> I made tons of mistakes. Oh, so, yeah. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll Darcy, I'll let you go. Sure. Thank you so much. I always learn so much from you, and uh, I will. I'll be Thank in touch. Okay, Kelly, you are that that glue. You're that connector. You're <laughs> that you know telephone wire, whatever it is that gets these messages out and you've heard so many of them you're such a great resource i'm, I'm so glad oh, first link thought to to do this that's a great great idea i'm eager to eager to see it and keep figuring out how how do you continue to utilize your talents in kansas well whatever i can do to help you out darcy if there's ever a time uh just let me know okay okay all right hey, Kelly, hey, great to talk with you you too bye-bye bye-bye yeah.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.